This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, I'm Ron Atkinson. When I came into football and most people of my time... The epitome was you wanted to go to Wembley in a cup final and win it. In that respect, you know, I've achieved that. John Atkinson's side beats Manchester United by three goals to one. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. things in life make no mistake about that and I don't see anything wrong in that I like nice clothes I like nice cars so I got the nickname of Big Run welcome to the my old man said podcast show I'm David Michael the editor of my This week's show is a little bit different, and certainly on the special side. We may not have the budget of Celebrity Big Brother, but we sure can match them when it comes to guests. I will be joined on the show by ex-Villa boss Ron Atkinson, who has been, as you probably noticed, promoting his new biography, The Manager, and I interviewed him at Villa Park before the Wigan game. Certainly Big Ron's term at the club was one of my favourites supporting the Villa. The title race for the first ever Premier League, in which Villa ended up runners-up, was one of the first seasons I was old enough to really follow Villa home and away. And then the following season, the unforgettable cup run that saw us beat Manchester United in the final, derailing their treble, as well as that epic semi-final against Tramia Rovers that took Villa supporters to hell and back. Both games Ron professes in his book to be two of the best games he's ever managed in. I was present at both of the games and they were certainly two of my favourite moments as a Villa supporter. In the interview I speak to Ron about his time at Villa and what he thinks about the demise of Villa in recent seasons under Randy Lerner, and also the task that Steve Bruce has on his hands in the championship. Also, he rolls out a few anecdotes as we go down memory lane. We talk about the drinking culture back in the day, the differences in management now and then, Brian Clough's antics, 
Andy Gray's fiery temper as he wanted to bash in Alex Ferguson and George Graham, and a lot more. A few stories I've heard before, but a good story is always worth repeating. The original plan was to discuss the Wigan game in the last week or so before the Big Ron interview, but we've had some technical issues in the past week with the software we use. Last week we had to scrap the show because of hiss and static on the guest's line, and this week there was a three second delay, which has never happened before, and it just messed up the recording process. It's been very, very frustrating recently, and we've wasted a lot of time, but we aim to give you as good quality as possible on remote recordings and don't want to just put out one of these crappy Skype or Google Hangout type audio quality podcasts. Certainly if you want to help find a solution and want to support the podcast and the website, head over to myormansaid.com and uh, check out Patreon on the menu bar and sign up as a patron. That would be much appreciated. We'll be doing some shout-outs of new members in the next podcast. Also, at the end of the week, new members will join existing patrons in a draw for a signed copy of Ron Atkinson's The Manager. The Wigan game was actually the first time Ron had been to Villa Park this season. I wonder what he thought about it. Let's just hope he hung around long enough to uh, see Grealish's winner. Now, speaking of Wigan, do I really want to revisit that game? To be honest, not really. It's up there and I'm including last season's home games as one of the worst games I've ever seen. Yes, Wigan set up for the draw, and there was a reason why they were unbeaten in their previous five away games, and parking the bus certainly frustrated the halt, but I think supporters were more kind of cheesed off with the lack of variation or running off the ball to try to stretch or confuse the Wigan defence and pull them out of shape. And then when Bruce threw on more strikers... uh, it just resembles Di Matteo's top-heavy Villa team all over again. I mean, they were just giving the ball away. There just didn't seem to be any flow to their attacking play. They certainly haven't got the swagger of a promotion-bound team yet, especially considering the money already spent in the summer. In terms of the January window, we've all heard talk of a, another keeper coming in, which is something I really wanted in the summer before the season started as a 21-year-old Galini was never going to be enough. Top of the shopping list, though, should be a dynamo in the middle of the park to keep things ticking, give the team rhythm, link up the play and spur the team on. And by that, I mean forwards, not sideways. You know, somebody like Ron Atkinson's Villa captain, Kevin Richardson, for example. Also, a decent, dynamic centre-mid might also be the glue to help Villa play more as a team and a cohesive unit. I mean, that's why I think they're struggling in terms of results away from home. At the moment, a win's a win, and there has been an increased resilience uh, under Bruce, but games and points have tended to uh, come through individual brilliance, whether it be a codger of scissor kick or a Grealish missile. I think December will certainly uh, be a pivotal month, as Steve Bruce has said, and uh, we've said on a previous show, with the fixtures coming in thick and fast. Hopefully, we'll get the points to uh, start off 2017 in the playoff places. That's where I want to see Villa, and I'm pretty sure that's where the club want to start the new year as well. G'day, and welcome back to Gennax Jangle. For the pride, these are hungry times. The lions were tamed by the elusive powers of the monk. The pack looked ropey without the fight of Nathan Baker. Who'd have thought it? But on the Aston Savannah, life has never been easy. 
the young Galini now leads a dangerous life. Despite his beautiful lines, a predator lurks in the outback, waiting for a window of opportunity. Will this stallion make it through the harsh wind rim one piece? Will a newcomer arrive to take his place? Watch this space. Before we get on to the interview with uh, Big Ron, first of all, a mention of our sponsor for this episode, FanDuel, if you haven't heard of it, is a fantasy football game that actually has instant gratification, and if you're good at it, winnings. Rather than playing out a whole season, it actually plays out on one day of Premier League fixtures. As long as there's at least two or three fixtures, you can play FanDuel. Essentially, what you're doing is staking on your own managerial prowess. Once you've chosen the competition you want to enter, then it's just a case of picking your team. You pick 11 players, you can't choose more than 4 players from one team, and you have a budget of 100 million. Then, as the games play out, you get 15 points if a player scores a goal, 7 for an assist, 5 for a shot on target, and then there's points for shots blocked, tackles, interceptions, fouls drawn, passes, etc. FanDuel actually has a special offer for My Old Man Said listeners. If you deposit £10 when you sign up, they'll let you play with 30 So FanDuel are giving you an extra £20 free credit to play with. You'll get £5 free credit in your account to use each week for four weeks. It's the perfect chance to prove your managerial prowess and also win big. Just use the promo code OLDMAN30 when signing up to claim your offer. Either search for it on the app stores or go to fanduel.co. UK. Right, so thanks for your patience, and now on to the Big Run interview, which takes place at the back of the Villa store at Villa Park, uh, in the offices there. Excuse the slight background noise, uh, which was the air conditioning which was switched on to keep Big Run cool. Also, you'll hear some uh, pages and the occasional tapping on the table. That's because Big Ron was multitasking and signing books at the same time as uh, speaking to my old man said. It's all good. Enjoy. On today's show, I have the great pleasure of being joined by somebody, I think he's the only person I've ever sang his name for 45 minutes in Grimsby. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever been to Grimsby, but uh, <laughs> still. Was it the League Cup that we, we drew and got the beat League here? The League Cup where we got knocked out and away goals. Cunnington scored, yeah, yeah. here. Uh, yeah, because we played them in the FA Cup about two years mm. later, yeah, yeah, when Sean Teal got sent off. I interviewed Sean Teal. He said you didn't get on that well together, but then he said he didn't get on with any managers. No, he's, he was all, he was all right. He yeah. was all, he's missing. But, <laughs> but he said uh, he used to have a top of candy before, uh, before the game. Gave, gave the oh, if anybody stuff. wanted one, yeah, it was, it was a little ritual. He didn't have to have it. It was a little ritual we picked up. Well, I did it at West Brom. The West Brom lads were into it. That's where I picked it up from. They used to have just one swig of it. Yeah. You know, it was, I don't so know. Just to take the edge off. Or, yeah, whatever. Because um, Brian Cliff used to do that before European nights. He used to get the whiskey out. Uh, but it? he used to drink it all himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We used to share ours about a bit. If you want the best drinks related story I've ever known in football, in my time. Yeah. Well, it was a Sheffield Wednesday, and we're playing Manchester City, New Year's Day, 12 o'clock kickoff. So what I've done, I've had the boys in overnight. I've come down for an 8 o'clock pre-match breakfast. 
and I put a bottle of pink champagne on every table. I said, have a glass, toast the new year, and that, because that ain't going to do them any harm. Yeah. get on with it. So that's what we did, and we won the game 1-0. Our goalie got injured, and we didn't have a sub-keeper. He got injured after 30 minutes, press, pressman. So what happened, Carlton Palmer was going to put the shirt on, and all of a sudden, Hursty come flying down, knocks him out, right, picks up the shirt and put it on. Hursty just put us in the lead, one nothing. David Hurst. And he kept a clean sheet. Walked to the centre circle at the end of the game, took a bow and waved to everybody because he was a he was a character. Hasn't he? Two years later, we're all out at a function, and he said, "You don't know what happened there, Gaffer, do you?" He said, "Well, go on." He said, "Well, you know when you left those drinks?" He said, "Well, a lot of the players, Roland Nielsen, that didn't touch him." So he said, "I went round mine sweeping." <laughs> <laughs> he said and after half an hour he said I was absolutely shattered so when the chance came to go in goal I thought that'll do for me <laughs> and so he's got the honour of keeping a clean sheet and getting the winning goal as well yeah because Sean Teal said he used to pass this to Paul McGrath because Paul McGrath wasn't allowed one no maybe yeah, maybe yeah <laughs> Just uh, before we kind of go on, uh, wh what do you think of Aston Villa and what's happened the last, well, under Lerner in the last five years? Well, and did you see that coming? Uh, I didn't quite see the demise that happened, but if you said to me, I think what he did, I've never met Lerner, who, who actually, when he first came, you know, was quite everybody's yeah. quite favourable yeah. with him. Um, all right, I think he had a few domestic situations problems himself we understand where he maybe had to pull the plug a little bit financially yeah. but I also think what also happened I think there was a lot of for two years <coughs> the recruitment was was bad because the recruitment from what we understand was being done by people who weren't actually in the recruitment well, game I've, <coughs> I've met a few of the let's say the CEOs of the time yeah. and uh, when you realise that it's just down to them and they haven't got an infrastructure of football people around them, it was amazing. Well, that, that, that to me always stood out as being a, a major problem. Um, now, I mean, Steve Bruce is here. There's, root, there's cause for optimism because Bruce is a proper football man and there will be more what I call football-orientated people around him. With Steve that, Brown, for example. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, that's... So that's... Um, that's, I would assume, is going to improve things. I mean, this year, it may it may be a bit much to expect them to go up this year. I know he'll, he'll aim for the, particularly the playoff spots, yeah. and you know you might as well aim for it because in the past there are teams that have come from. I can remember Ipswich doing it a year or two back. I can remember Crystal Palace, Sunderland certainly did it. Yeah, yeah. Zoomed out and from a th sort of bottom three or four position, and um. I think Sunderland might even have won the league that year, but um, it's going to be very difficult because you look at the you look at the league now, the Championship. The number of big clubs in there is unbelievable. Do you think? And the quality is not that great. I think it's more if you get your act together as a team, you can because everybody's beating each other apart yeah. from the teams who get their act together. I tell you what, Brighton, I think it's always been important. I think if you got goal scorers, I've always said this is a division that if you've got goal scorers, they'll get you out of it. Well, that, that was Villa's uh, ethos in the transfer market. They bought all the best 20 goals a yeah, season, yeah. and it's not really kind of panned yeah, out for them. No, um, no. Uh, 
trying to think of the lad's name. Not the one from Bristol, the other one. Um, McCormack. McCormack. You know, he had, he had goals by the bucket full of leads, but, you know, wh- whether it's the right pattern, the right blend, the right playing him in the right position even. It's you know, sometimes he played a bit wide in one or two yeah. of the games, didn't he? His codger reminds me a little bit of no, Daley and Atkinson yeah, in, no, no. in the fact that, like in the cup final against United, you played him out wide. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, Codger's being played out, but he really should be probably down the middle and just be known as the main man. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I know, I know people in Bristol that were very impressed with him, you know, and he looks, you know, he started picking up goals now, hasn't he, you know? Hmm. I saw him get one on telly the other night when he. <laughs> They talk about pushing a defender <laughs> for the head. Push him, he mugged him, but um you know, well, he needs some of that. Yeah. You could have been the villa manager several times, I mean as you say in your book. Did any of those times before you got the job, were there any time that you got close? Because I one of the big problems for Villa fans was when we were had a good team under Graham Taylor mm. and he obviously went off to the England job and he actually contacted you. Graham you? came to see me. He said, you know, he, he would, he wanted me to carry on, you know, whatever. And we just got relegated. It yeah. went down 43 yeah. points we had, got relegated. I mean, you get in Europe with that now. Um, <laughs> and I said, I, I can't, you know, I can't do that. You know, it's, I've, I've said to all the players, I don't want anybody leaving. So there's no way I can leave now. Or I mean, did you sleep on it, or did you just give it? No, I said straight, straight away. Yeah. And, you know, I, can't, I couldn't do that because I'd call as soon as we got relegated at Sheffield, because I knew we had a good team. I still believe that's the best team ever to get relegated. Yeah. So, within an hour of having to go uh, of going down, and we didn't know we were down, went down by one goal or something. We had to go to a supporters' club dinner. And we walked in, they give us a standing ovation. And I'm looking around thinking, what is this all about? And I called all the lads together. I said, look, we owe this lot big time. Yeah. So we stick together. And that's what we did. We, uh, all right, Dalian left. But with Dalian going to Sociedad, I was able to buy, I think, three or four players, certainly three players, with that money. Yeah. Um, so I, c- I couldn't leave them. But the following year, promoted back up, we won the cup. The side was in good hands. Every we had, we had some good players, good team. Then I thought, right, the club's right now. Now I can, you know, I, I can. The first time probably made it easier. The second time, mm. but, I mean, you had a, a a hell of a job. I mean, you almost flipped the atmosphere of Villa Park in terms of rebuilding it. I mean, did you have eight players in the first game against Sheffield Wednesday? <laughs> After ten minutes, I thought I'd found five of them on the motorway. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that worked for us. All of a sudden, it took the fans' focus, which wasn't bad, actually. I'd heard, you'd heard all the stories I was going to get almighty. And I still believe that was a contrived fixture. I believe, yeah. I don't believe that came out of the hats. <laughs> I think that was, uh, I think they were the two last balls left in the pot, like, and we'll keep Under them the in table. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it wasn't that bad. You know, the, the so-called hostile reception. And particularly when they scored two after t- ten minutes, I think. I think everybody's gone. Well, good job he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you talk in the book of, uh, I don't know if it's through an interview or through the book, where you talk about two of your favourite Villa games, obviously the semi-final against Tramier and the the final itself. But one one game that always stuck out in my mind when when you were the Villa boss was uh, 
when we were going for the league and we went to Old Trafford. Yeah. Because that team, uh, that was like the litmus test to yeah. see if Villa yeah. were the real deal. And people talk about defending in two banks of four now. United used to attack with two banks of four yeah. pretty much. It was like the Alamo in that game. I mean, do you see that as a distinctive game, as a going to Old Trafford and doing what you did in terms of setting up and believing in yourself that you could win the title that year? Well, we always, whenever we played, it's quite funny, whenever we played at United, when Kanchelskis was there, yeah. I used to bring Brian Smalling. In fact, Stan, Stan Thornton used to come in and say, I'm in midfield on Saturday, Gaffer, and I like him. Because <laughs> Smalling could run yeah. and he, he could stay with him. I mean, Stan was. I mean, he scored a wonder goal that day, didn't he? But Stan was Stan was a decent player on the left hand going forward as well. You know, he could make things happen. And that year, we beat them twice as well. We beat them yeah, in the League in the Cup, League I think, Cup, and yeah. we beat them in the League here. Went to Old Trafford and got a point. The big, the big situation in that season, I do believe, was the and we've seen it a million times when Fergie and Kiddo yeah, race yeah, on the field. Yeah. The Sheffield Wednesday one. Now, Carlton Palmer played in that game. And that was the first time I thought, hmm, their name might be on it. Yeah, because well, we'd well, played well, Coventry here. We knew, yeah. We'd played Coventry in a, a horrible no-score match. As I'm coming off the pitch, somebody shouted, they're getting beat, one nothing wrong. Walk up this, when it used to be the big stairs, to the back to the dressing room. I walk up there, and by the time we get to the top, somebody said, oh, they've equalised. And I actually said, they'll play till they win now. Hmm. Now, Carlton Palmer played in the game. Carlton said he went. There was a, a the referee got injured or something, and they had to make changes. The linesman came and refed and whatever. He said he went to the linesman and said, "How long left?" And the, he said the linesman said two minutes of added time. He said six minutes later we're still winning. Yeah. And I think Trevor Francis came out with a great quote. It's probably his best ever quote when he said they beat us in the second leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But. I mean, do you have any regrets about... Because you, you had a season with West Brom where you started really well in the league, United as well, and obviously with, with Villa at this season, about uh, not winning the league. No regrets, I mean. Because you, you were kind of known as the man for the one-off big occasion. Yeah. But there was always people... Yeah, saying, but you see, people... It's quite funny, this. Uh, people get lauded now for finishing in the top four. Yeah, yeah. I finished in the top four eight times. Yeah. I said to Harry Redknapp when Harry had, had, um, he'd just finished fourth with Tottenham and everybody slapped well done Harry and this I said I've been sacked twice Harry for dropping down to fourth <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed uh, like when the England job came up uh, recently and the Aston Villa jobs job has come up so many times in the last couple of years there seems to be a lack of talent pool in terms of English managers I mean definitely you've noticed that and can you put your finger on it because the fact that you or Brian Clough didn't get the England job tells you the difference is you know huge well I think uh, Cloughy should have had it in 82 but he should only have had it for the World Cup right he shouldn't have had it because it would caused <laughs> mayhem if he'd have been given it because it was chalk and cheese with the FA yeah yeah, yeah yeah but and it would have been terribly unfair on Ron Greenwood, who got them there. Yeah. But I and we we went there and didn't lose a game, but in '82. But I think Cluffy would have, at the time. That's when he was in his peak. I think he'd have done enough to have got England very very close to winning it because we had a good team then. And I think Cluffy, 
he'd, do, he'd just won two European Cups and whatever, and yeah. he was bang on his game. And I think for a three-week spell, where he was like, like a working as a club manager almost, I think he'd have got us very, very close to winning it that year. But <laughs> I don't think he could have had it <laughs> with, with nothing to do. Oh, I think it'd have caused some mayhem, like you know. Was that? Do you think that was the same reaction from the the English FA? Which I mean, let's let's face it, they're pretty uh, sturgid. Would that be the reason why they didn't? get you in the frame or did you never uh... oh no I'll tell you what I think when Graham finished I was approached by they put Jimmy Armfield in charge of um, sounding out managers I was at the villa I would sooner have been manager at the villa than England manager yeah and I think there was a lot felt like that you know we people then we were you know we we loved managing football managing clubs the day to day the excitement of all that you know and and to be fair, when when Jimmy Jimmy Armfield spoke to me, and he spoke to about three or four others, I understand, but he certainly spoke to me about it. And I said, and my wife laughed at it. She went, "You cheeky!" I said, "I'll do it part time." I think they had two games to go or something. Um, yeah. And I said, "I'll do it part time," you know, if you want, but I'm not going to go in. A, you know, I wouldn't give up club management to a big club, what I call big club management, to to do the England job. Now. And then it was nothing near the, the job it became in terms of remuneration. Yeah, yeah. And Terry had had the problems at Tottenham and he, he, was, he was out on a limb a little bit when he came. So it, it, it made good sense for him to take it. So why do you think this, the talent pool of managers has kind of evaporated? Well, what's happening now, as soon as somebody... Um, I mean, you, you, look, you look at, say, the top clubs now, you look at Liverpool, Man U, Man City... I don't, I don't count Arsenal because Wenger to me now is a, a, scou- a scouser. Um, <laughs> a company. Uh, a um, Chelsea. I think it's, it maybe has a lot to do possibly with foreign owners. Yeah. That, you know, they, they see somebody highly publicised abroad and they, you know, it's to use the, the phrase. coaching badges and all that kind of malarkey is pretty expensive to do in this country compared to like Spain, Germany, France. Yeah. So but I don't think, it, I don't even think it's that. Uh, I still think better than coaching badges. I mean, I got my coaching badge when I was about 22, I think. But I, I only got it because I went, I used to go for a laugh. I said, we're all lads, we've got a lily show for a laugh. And, you know, I could, and I, I was, it was full badge, I think, by the time I was about 22. But you learn more, which play, I'm not sure manager or people will do this now. You learn more when you went and worked. I learned more working at Kettering and Cambridge. Hmm. Then I learned in the whole of my playing and coaching career. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Till then. I think I know the answer to this before I even ask it, but I'm assuming you preferred to be a manager in the time you were than if, if it was nowadays. It's harder now. Yeah. Definitely It's more, obviously, more lucrative and they get well rewarded. But if you're talking about job satisfaction now, I mean, the manager now is, in most cases, he's like, He's, he's the first team coach. He's a yeah. selector and whatever. A lot of things are taken out of his hands. Um, I mean, it, like the people, like in my time, what we did, we we basically were overall in charge of the whole club. You know, not not the finances. You couldn't you couldn't go spending willy nilly. You had to run everything past your board of directors yeah. in that respect. But in terms of, you knew all the academy or apprentices as they were at the time. You know, and you took you took a, an interest in all those because, in a reasonable run, you you know you would see the benefit of that. Nowadays, somebody comes in like say Pellegrini at Man City, he knows they might have the, some of the most talented youngsters, but unless he's got one there, ready to come into his first team, when people say you know, hey, in three or four years' time, you're not yeah. going to be a player, well, you, you look around and say, well, that's no good to me. Because I'm not likely to be here in that time. That's where it's where it's harder. But it also, I mean, back in the day, you were a lot closer to the players than I think managers are now. I mean, I remember Steve Froggett telling me that you popped down to his birthday party bash in Lincoln once. Well, you do that. You do, yeah. You would. I mean, which I don't think would happen in a lot of no, cases may, nowadays. Maybe not. I think you could do, because people say to me, and I still believe people say, "What? What? What is management?" I say, "Well, there's a clue in the name, you know." managing managing people um, and whichever way you want to go about it I mean I could never have managed people the way Cluffy did and I'll, I think one or two of his ex-players I made a mistake trying that because yeah. Cluffy was a definite one-off I mean sometimes when I hear some of the things he did I thought well, how does that relate to football but the way he did it do you have a f- favourite Cluffy story from uh, your own interactions with him well my my, <laughs> my favourite there's two actually. The one, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one. I don't know if it might be a bit long-winded, but remember when I when I went to Forest and they shot on Sky. My first game back, and I got in the wrong dugout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right now, I make fun of that and whatever. But there is a story behind that, you know, because years ago there only used to be one dugout. I never used to be allowed to say that, by the way, at Villa Park, <laughs> because he thought there'd be a revolution on his <laughs> dugout. Anyway, all right, <laughs> you know that was that. But but there only used to be one trainer's bench at Forest, and it was on the halfway line. The visitors used to be stuck, so they beat us two one. I'm at the Albion. They beat us two one, and we're after the game, talking with Cluffy and Taylor, and I said, "Oh, by the way, that visitors dugout, you know, it's a bit of a liberty." You know, you might as well have been sat in the trench. And they both started laughing, particularly Peter Taylor. Yeah, yeah, it's not too good down there, Ron, is it? Like, you know, and they're sat right on the halfway line. You're over there, like. So they come back, 
they're going to play us Christmas time at the Hawthorns. And it was when the stand, which is the dressing room side, had been knocked down mm. and they'd only rebuilt half of it, which got to the halfway line. My, my dugout was okay, they'd done it there. And all that side was the left hand side was nothing but JCBs, tractors, and all sorts. Because then finished, yeah. so they bought a temporary dugout and put it right by the tunnel where they came out, about five yards from where I am. And it's bucketing down with rain. Morning of the match, I go into the, the ground, I get hold of the ground, so I said, See that? Pick there, it's a temporary one, like, and put it right in that corner flag there <laughs> and nail it to the floor so they can't move it. Well, we beat, and I'm saying it, we beat them 2-1 and I, I'm booted and suited and I'm waiting on in the dry and they come trudging up through big thick car tracks and all that like, you know, covered in mud and whatever, soaked. Just with his green... Uh, yeah, and I've gone, uh, all right, that's good down there, isn't it? And they went, well, what they said was on principle. <laughs> It's all right, but, it's, not, it's not printed. But that, but that was why. Um, that was, so when I go back, don't forget I've flown home from Barbados overnight. So when I sort of go there, I'm, I'm walking up there going, yeah. Because I knew that I, there only so ever used to be one dug out there. And it wasn't until I saw Vieira and uh, Analka in it. And Burkamp, and I thought, oh wow, we've come with bottom of the league with these in our team. <laughs> did, did Clough have like friends, like management friends? Uh, did Clough have management friends? He would have had some. He, everybody, everybody respected him. The an irony of it all was, I when I was at West Brom, I got on great with him because mm. he thought I was a bit, of, if you like, an upstart that would take him on. Right. I mean, we went we went to the City Ground once with the Albion. I played four forwards. And he said, you want locking up, having the cheek to come and play against one of my teams before forwards. It was a no-score draw, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I always got on great with him. And then when I went to uh, Man U, he never spoke to me socially for six right. years. He just totally, he'd talk on business and all that, and that very curt and whatever. I finished at Man U, and I went to do a TV game. And he sees me after the game, and the first thing is, hey, come on, let's go and have a drink. And my mate, Manchester, I said, well, what's that all about? He didn't want to know you. I said, mm. well, that is his mentality against, I think, Liverpool, Man U, maybe Tottenham and Arsenal. That's fair enough. Yeah. It's like a siege mentality. Yeah. Is there any managers that you actually, deep down, like beating? All of them. <laughs> but it must be like, uh, no, in terms of like whether it's from respect or just... No, I mean, people, pe <laughs> people sometimes say... It, that about like you know you you went to Man we went to Wembley twice and beat United twice. Yeah. It weren't the fact that it was United. It was a fact that particularly the second time we beat the team that Fergie still thought was his best ever team. Yeah. You know that that that's um, the first time with Sheffield. I knew we'd win the game before the game. I knew we win it. I think there's that game and something else. Another game where you mentioned you knew you were going to win those games well, before. But I was really confident, I don't know why, that Villa would beat United in that final. I mean, a lot of it was down to Schmeichel being suspended. Yeah, yeah. But there was just, even though Villa were doing what were rubbish in the league yeah. around that period. We were seventh. And there were, <laughs> well, that's, that's classed as great nowadays. But, <laughs> but four to one, was I think, was the bookies oh, odds yeah. on that day. How confident were you going into that game? Because you, you made some drastic, obviously, changes. Steve Staunton just had a hernia. Yeah. 
And yeah. so uh, I thought Steve at Wembley and, and Smalley must have played the f the five previous times against Kanchelskis. Yeah. But I thought Steve at Wembley with the, with his greater control, shall we say, of the ball, would have been. Because I remember speaking to Sean uh, Teal, he said that you told him I'll oh, keep an eye on Staunton yeah. and Kanchelskis, and he's oh great, I've got a deal with Kintanar yeah. and Sparky as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I mean, was you confident going in? Because you took some gambles. I mean, with Staunton, with Fenton. Fenton was the big gamble, but what and had then happened? You mixed, then you mixed it up at, at front yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. What had, to a certain extent, what had happened? I'd been that may have changed my thinking. Um, or on the Tuesday, I went to see United play Arsenal at Highbury. But I was doing it for TV, I think. And Arsenal that day played with three front players. Smith, Campbell, and Ian Wright. Slightly different, but and they they gave. I thought they gave our um, United a lot of problems. Yeah. So I'm looking at it. We tried it. We tried something at um, Old Trafford in the league. I'd, I put Earl Barrett, man to man with uh, Cantona, and to be fair to Cantona, he only had two kicks, mm. both goals, like. But um, so I thought I'm not going to do that again. And I'm looking at ways in which. And they were very powerful. In, they were a powerful side at the time as well. I mean, they had Ince and Keane in midfield, yeah, Brucey yeah. and Pallister at the back, even the full-backs, Irwin and Paul Parker, Sparky and Cantona. So I thought, well, we've got to be able to meet... And he'd just been out on Longfen. He had Leicester and West Brom, I think, and he, as a centre-forward. But he, he had this big power. But he was powerful, so I thought, I'm going to try and play... The three tight in midfield, three of the like our most physical. Mm. Like it was a shame that was one of the hardest decisions I've ever to make with people like Gary Parker and Ray Houghton, yeah. who'd been stalwarts for us, you know, and were very good footballers. But I thought we'll get over, you know, they'll run over us there. So we've got to be prepared to sort of. So that's why we had Fenton, Richardson, and uh, Andy, Andy Townsend. Who could match them for power? You know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be phased by their power. And Fenny went in as a, you know, as a, if you like a shock or whatever. But it, I didn't think there was anything really to lose. And then I said to Daly, and they, we're going to play the three up front, but we're going to play slightly different. We are on the right. I said, if you and Tony don't want to run back all the while, just make sure their fullbacks run back. Run back. I remember Townsend was almost on crutches in that semi-final in the extra time. Aye. He was uh, limping around the pitch. Well, the semi-final was unbelievable. Which one did you celebrate the most, that one or the semi-final or the final? Uh, it's almost a shame the semi-final wasn't against United or Liverpool. Well, so yeah. Some <laughs> yeah. It's almost yeah. like a waste. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so dramatic. I mean, we'd been beaten 3-0, three 3-1 three there, and yet... We still felt. I mean, two of their goals. If I watch them again, I think I think two of their goals were were quite a, a way offside. Mm. And then right at the end, when Dalian scored, when we came into the little dressing room area and all that, you'd have thought they'd been beaten. We were the ones that like up, and they you thought they'd been beaten, and then we've gone right. Our job now is to beat these two nothing, or at our place. Which after 20 minutes we were doing, and then of course the the buzzy incident where. Yeah, no, it was at the game. Yeah, he so. might have got sent off. He might have. But I mean, history repeated and Villa played Bradford and they did this exactly the same in the first leg. Yeah. But it just, yeah. the return game just wasn't the same. 
But that had everything to do. I mean, even the last kick of the match, Liam O'Brien hitting the free kick. Hits the post, goes behind Bozzi, yeah, and it's the other post. When you went to Steve Froggett's birthday, did you sing that? Was there was one, there was, that, but that one in Lincoln. Well, no, that's what he said. I thought, I thought there was one in town. I thought it was somewhere somewhere local. Well, you, you're a big Frank. Yeah. Did yeah. you go to his, I think it was at Royal Albert Hall in 92, was his last ever gig? I saw him in 80, I saw him in 78. The festival hall. I saw him at the Albert Hall, but that one ninety two. That was. I think it was like his farewell. It was billed as his farewell uh, tour. I think I was there then, and I should have gone to see him in eighty six. I think it was at the must have been the O two. I think somewhere in because I just moved into a house, and I had all new windows put in, but they hadn't been put in. So I'm sat in a house with no windows, and I got Brian, I got Brian Robson and uh, Norman Whiteside ringing me. Gaffer, where are you? Like you know, I said, well, I'm sat in a house with no windows, so I can't really come out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of those guys, I mean, that United team. There was a, I mean, my dad's a United fan, so he regales the stories. But there was a real drinking culture there. Yeah. Was that a myth or no more than that. the the worst I stopped them going out with the Liverpool players. The Liverpool players could lose these lads. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it was I mean, no. Fer, Fergie came in. Fergie made the Gary comment. Gary Burfels and Robson and Whiteside were kind of uh, no. known as bar flies. Burtles. I didn't see Whiteside drink until we went on tour after he scored the winner in eighty five. That was the first time <laughs> I ever saw him have a drink. And then we went to we went to Jamaica, um, and even Paul McGrath, who all the stories are about, Paul. What I think what happened, and it was certainly after I left, they had bad injuries, mm. and they was they were given a lot of go around the the not the clubs the the, the, the rooms that yeah. you know so. And I think that's what started it all. But then Alex went and signed Rolf Mill, and there was a confirmed alcoholic. <laughs> He turned, he turned up Rolf Mill from Bristol and he was he was in the medical room and Strack went and he said, hey, Rolf, because he played with you at Aberdeen, what are you doing here? He said, I've signed. He said, he said you're joking. They've not signed you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much, in, in, because footballers in those days, you know, were, did have issues. I mean, I, I mean, I know I won't go on record with this, but uh, certain Villa players had problems at the time when you were the manager of and it's different now in terms of they're more like athletes. I mean, yeah, but they're always kind of, injured nowadays. What was your kind of go-to excuses, like for the press and uh, whatever? Never had any. Never yeah. had. A lot of that. Because sometimes, you you know, you come out and you say, for example, two weeks, fine, which probably didn't happen. It was just for the... Oh, yeah. The McGrath. McGrath, got, McGrath didn't turn up for Exeter. But McGrath, you know, if you look at, in the first four years of the Premiership, McGrath and Peter Atherton, Sheffield Wednesday, had the two two biggest appearances out of the lot. I think mm. McGrath, I can only remember McGrath missing two games. One was Exeter and the other was the last game of the season here, Liverpool, when we beat them here. Tony Daly, I think, scored the winning goal. Yeah. But apart from that, he played his 40-odd whatever games a season. He never made. The story of McGrath is uh, the Exeter one, Afterwards on Monday, and Paul was a smashing lad. He comes in, and I said, "By the way, you're out of order. I'm fining you." And you, okay? I said, "I'm fining you ten grand, or if you want it through the books, it's twenty grand. But if it's not, I'll find you ten grand, 
and I'm going to take the boys to Tenerife and you're not coming and that's their spending money <laughs> <laughs> but what happened you know when I said Grimsby in the cup yeah yeah we stopped at a place is it Louth somewhere Louth is it Louth near Grimsby anyway yeah no it's yeah, so, and we're going off that night we're playing the game we're going off that night to Tenerife and I got the word of notes and I'm going to give them the skipper like when they're in Tenerife so so I've put down by the side of my bath leave for the game and all that the game's going on Tilly got sent off didn't he with that ginger lad from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'm just watching the game and I'm like oh, bloody hell fight that money that man <laughs> and so I start and to Alan Buckley who's their manager and a lot of people thought we were arguing about the sending off and I'm saying Buckers do you know what I've let and he, said, and he gets all of his secretary and we <laughs> and they're organising to get, go to the hotel while the game's on to get the money back <laughs> and the, the cleaner had got it to be fair to her the cleaner had got it and handed it in right I mean I, but oh, halfway through a cup game I go hey Alan <laughs> read an interview uh, I think it was Andy Gray when he was your assistant manager yeah. at the start I always remember he came out with this quote that he had claret and blue blood and then he went to Sky but, yeah. but apparently he was really feisty and oh, Andy. FA got sent letters and oh yeah yeah because he would lose his the first three or four games particularly he had a bust up he wanted to knock Fergie out then he wanted to bash George Graham up ah oh, that was it yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you ever send him off to uh, deal like your Rottweiler? No, I used to say Andy. The only time I did, we played uh, Swindon in the cup, and uh, we beat them two one. Glenn Huddle was, I think, he was player manager Froggy at the time. Froggy scored, scored yeah. a wonder goal, yeah. yeah. But just before the end, Tony Daly had let their fullback run on, and they nearly got an equaliser. And I've gone, but it was a Sunday game. And they're doing the FA Cup draw straight afterwards. So as I'm going there, they, they deflect me off for the Cup draw. So I said to Andy, by the way, don't let him off the hook about that. Just now we've won, you can remind him yeah. that he could have cost us. So I've gone in there, come in, and Andy's, I'm looking at When I go back in the dressing room, I've got to be honest, TD's nearly crying. In fact, I think he is crying. Or he's just about to, because Andy's into his ribs. Like, and I went... Hang on a bit, Andy. We've just won the game, you know. And he didn't do bad. All right. That's not his job to be all the while to be doing that. His job's to attack their defender. And Andy's turning his said, You told me to do that. <laughs> I said, I know. But he was a hair's breadth from going under. Taking him out. Yeah. And you regret not going back to Spain to work. That was one of my favourite bits in the book. Is uh, funny, a lot of people like that. About yeah. the setup there, and it's, yeah. it's typical of how I remember, like, yeah. like the president who would like fire somebody after two weeks. Or... Well, we beat them when I was here. We beat them at Compostela in um, in a pre-season friendly, and I think the, the coach who just they just brought him in from I don't know, he'd been coaching Honduras or somebody in the World Cup. They sacked him because he lost the pre-season tournaments. Oh, it used to be hilarious. Are you uh, seeing Doug today? I don't know. Are you watching the game? Yeah, I watched the game, yeah. I saw Doug the other week at, at a funeral. I said, you you sure yeah. you, you sure you should be going? I said, they're doing two for one today. <laughs> <laughs> My old man said, 
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.